It's time for Lakes, Woods, and Irons at 1380 KLIZ The Fan, featuring Colin McDonald and Chris Foley. Today's broadcast is sponsored by Breezy Point Resort, your holiday station store on Mill Avenue and Cross Lake, Maury's Market, Ernie's on Gull, The Tea Hive, Alverson Law Office, and The Legacy Courses at Craigans. Streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com, sponsored by Mills GM. And now here's Chris Foley and Colin McDonald for Lakes, Woods, and Irons at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Now available at Podcast One and wherever podcasts are available. And uh, thanks to our sponsor, Mills Ford and Mills GM, for our streaming uh, today and every day. Is uh, Everything's uh, kind of archived there. We've had some great guests guests this summer. We're working on trying to label some of those segments for you as uh, we wind down toward the end of our season here on the show. Chris, uh, Captain America comes through. He hadn't won since the Masters a year ago, over a year ago now. Um uh, Long time between wins for Patrick Reed. His yes. game kind of went away, which is is kind of uh, uh, kind of his mo a little bit. He uh, peaks and plays well for a short time, and then and then uh, can't find it. Gets uh, a little bit like well, there's a couple of guys there on the board that are similar. John Rahm has some trouble once in a while with uh, getting golf game and emotions all in the same spot, yeah. and actually, so does uh, Patrick Reed from time to time. And uh, yeah, so. But anyway, he played well enough to win, just yeah, he barely. Played, he played very well, and uh, you know, one one shot victory. One of four players under age thirty to have seven PGA Tour wins. So yeah, nothing wrong uh, with that. No, pretty pretty impressive. But uh, um, you know, making a run at the the you know the season's over in the Presidents Cup standings will you know. Um, after the tour championship, they'll determine the Presidents Cup team, which unusual this year they don't play until December rather than typical late late September. Uh, but uh, had a great weekend. It was fun to see Abraham Answer in there trying to win his first tour event. Um, f- friend of the show Tom Rolf used to coach Abraham on the Mexican national team, so fun following him. And great weekend for Harold Varner and. Uh, boy, Adam Scott and Jordan Spieth had great Sundays as well. Yeah, they came charging in, and, and when, when the when the front runners really weren't charging, Scott and Spieth were uh, doing a nice job. Nice to see Spieth have a good Sunday. That's uh, uh, fans of golf, I think, really want Jordan to uh, get his game back, and because he just loved to have uh, you know four or five great players at the top yeah. of the game and uh, really battling each other. That would be fantastic, and if he can get there. Uh, then you really got a show, I think. Now you got Kepka, and uh, if Spieth was the talk of the game, it would be two completely different styles of play, which would be great to watch sure. if, if they both get it uh, to the top form. And then Rory, of course, and uh, all the other guys you can throw in there. I think everybody roots for Adam Scott, one of golf's really nice guys, yep. and uh, he's got a major or two under his belt, I think. Did he win a British? Just uh, just a Masters. Just a Masters, yeah. But, uh, yeah. You know, it was, it was fun. It was, it was interesting listening to Spieth. Um, played tr- the first two rounds with Matthew Wolf, And, um, you know, kind of Spieth's assessment of, of Wolf's game and, and his golf swing. And uh, I think it was great for Spieth to, to you know, Jordan's been struggling with his golf swing and, uh, you know, maybe trying to make it 
perfect, and he watches uh, Matthew Wolf with his unique move and and saying, you know, how one how aggressive he was and how impressive it was, and then secondly, you know, his golf swing isn't uh, what we'd call textbook, but how well he how well he drives the ball and, and his iron play. So it might have been uh, might have been a good wake up call for Speed to play with. Uh, to play with them the first two rounds yeah good to see and uh, yeah i think all those guys look up to speed even though he's not that much older than they are oh for sure they're kind of thinking boy he took the world by storm at 21 why can't we and uh, no so many are this year yeah no question well, yeah you know mackerel finishing six he, he he's had an incredible year and um you know i, I was Looking at some stats earlier today, and um, his consistency this year is, is is as good as anybody in the last uh, ten years. The only player that's put, had you know statistically been better than than Rory is is Tiger in two thousand four. Um, you know, for the season he, ten. ten Ten top ten finishes, um, or excuse me, thirteen top ten finishes, and he's had seventeen starts. So I mean, statistically, he's played amazing. Two wins. Uh, it feels like he hasn't played that well because of uh, his, you know his play in the majors hasn't been as good as we would would uh, you know our, our expectations are of him. But uh, he's had an incredible year, and I, I would be very surprised if he doesn't win in the next two weeks. Well, it's always that joke about setting the bar low, but those guys set the bar so high. Jordan Spieth, uh, Dustin Johnson, and Rory McIlroy. I mean, if they don't win, people go, "Boy, that was that was <laughs> he wasn't very good." Yeah, exactly. Those three have to win, really. Yeah. So, and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure uh, Kepka's going to be the same way now. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, he falls off this weekend, and um, it's like the world's coming to an end. He, he's leading after 36 holes, and uh, very rare that he doesn't, you know, hold on for a top two, three, four finish when he's in that position. But uh, yeah, Tiger really struggles on opening day, and uh, then uh, his uh, back bothers him and uh, can't play day two. So. Uh, the biggest draw in golf, certainly ever, probably. Yeah, and for uh, sure. when he's not available, that uh, that hurts the game as well. You just you just hope the best for Tiger, but he's just uh, fragile compared to what he once was. Yeah, it's uh, he. Uh, I think we'll see through the rest of his career. That's going to be it'll be it'll be hit or miss, and uh, depending on how his body is reacting, will be. You know, we'll either see some really good Tiger play because it's obviously in there. Or uh, or struggles, which we've seen since the Masters, unfortunately. Yeah, we sure have. We've got a couple of great guests. Uh, we're going to have uh, the author of Being the Common Man on with us, Common <laughs> Man Dan Cole, who a lot of you hear uh, right here on 1380, Monday through Friday at noon. One of the great uh, golf lovers of uh, Minnesota, certainly, and really anywhere. And uh, then Mike Bender, Chris. Yeah, Mike, uh, we've had on the show a couple times, but, uh, you know, has taught multiple major champions, including Zach Johnson and, and, um, uh, oh, Lee Jansen and, and a few others played the tour himself. One of the great minds in golf and, uh, really looking forward to talking to him about, uh, you know, we had a lot of slow play controversy this past weekend. Yeah. We're going to talk about Mike's, uh, book the eight golf's eight second secret and kind of about pre-shot routine and and his take on some of the slow play good sounds like good yeah we'll be back with those right after this you're listening to lakes woods and irons on 1380 kliz you're listening to lakes woods and irons with chris foley 
and Colin McDonald at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, The Fan, and streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com and also available now on Podcast One. Got a uh, fun guest this morning. A lot of you uh, fan listeners are very uh, up-to-date on who this is. Uh, Common man Dan Cole joins us today, a golf lover from uh, about as far back as he can remember, I think. And uh, welcome to the show, Dan. We sure appreciate it. That's good to be here. You know, uh, Jesse Ventura gave me the proclamation back in 2001. I'm the official, unofficial ambassador for Minnesota golf. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> you you, you, yeah. beat, you beat me to the punch. I was just going to ask you about that comment. Yeah, well, it was uh, Ventura when... When he was working at the radio station before he was elected governor, he decided to run for office. And because of the equal time uh, rules, we had to remove him from the air. And so I jokingly went up to him before he left. I said, now, if you win, you need to make me the official, unofficial ambassador in Minnesota golf. He goes, you got it, Common. Now, I don't know if he if he kept any other campaign promises, but the only one that mattered was that one, and he kept it. He right. had to be the proclamation between the ninth green and the tenth tee box at the TPC of the Twin Cities. So I love it. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know if we've ever had a more interesting governor. I don't know how effective, but certainly not many more interesting. No. Well, you know, I think he did accomplish some things, but I don't know how much. I This between you and me and your listeners, I think Tim Penny might have been running the governor's office at that point. I think, <laughs> Tim, I think Tim Penny was a very close advisor to Governor Ventura, and I think that when – I don't know this for a fact. I'm just guessing. But I think when he really needed some advice on, you know, on, on, on things, I think he went to Tim a lot and got some advice. So, and, you know, Penny was a pretty, you know, whether you like his politics or not, he's a pretty sharp guy. So yeah. and there were so many people that thought that the state was going to crumble and fall into the ocean, even though we're, you know, uh, thousands of miles away when, when Jesse was elected. But you know, there's enough checks and balances in the world. I think we uh, I think we came out of it okay. Yeah, I think so, too. I was lucky enough to have him on. Because his football team was playing Brainerd that year in the quarterfinals, and he was nice enough to come on right after he'd been elected, before he was actually governor. So, and I saw him play with Arnie when the, when Deacons opened up. That was fun. Yes, yeah. They were they were quite a bit of fun. How how's the uh, the radio show? I know is good. I listened to that. How's the golf game coming? It's up and down, day to day, good and bad. You know, I mean, Chris can attest to this. You know, you can. You can feel like he got things going, and the swings kind of you know oily, and he can change literally. Not only in a month or a week, but even around, even hold a hole. Hold a hole. I get it around. I, I try to keep her in the fairway. If the short game's sharp, if I'm making a few putts, I can I can throw something in the mid to upper seventies. But get a little wayward and the putter's cold, I'm going to shoot in the uh, low to mid eighties. So my, my 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 I guess I'd say my my ten shot swing is seventy five to eighty five, which is quite the swing. But I guess it's better than eighty five to ninety five. Yeah, it's very much. That's, that's my ten shot swing, eighty five to ninety five this year. <laughs> I've I've digressed to that for this season. Common, you got you got to play in the pro am of the uh, the 3M championship. Tell us about that experience. Well, that, you know that was I I I had played in one many many years ago. I think the old Burn It, and I don't even remember it very well. And I don't even know if we had a pro with us. If we did, I don't recall who it was. But uh, this was a lot of fun. I, 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 we had two different pros. I think now they only require them to play nine holes. And so we had, um, Tyler Dawson was my second pro and my first pro. Why am I, why am I blanking now? What is his name? Young kid. Um, 
anyway, uh, what's interesting is these guys, Chris, as you know, they're, they're, if you want, if 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 he would have walked up to you, you would have thought he might be an outside services guy. He, they were both <laughs> only five seven. I checked their Wikipedia pages. When I <laughs> five seven. They're no taller than I am. They're slight of build, yet they can hit the ball three hundred yards. And and they were both really delightful to play with. They 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 didn't you know just kind of drift off on their own and ignore the foursome after the introductions. They talked on the tee boxes and offered advice if you asked for it. So it was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, the, the galleries weren't huge, but uh, it, 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 it was a kick. Probably what I like best is um, I, I had a 7.23 tee time, and Austin Cook was the other kid's name. Austin. Oh, yeah. And um, he's won on tour before. But I'm, um, uh, I, I got a 7.23 tee time. Brooks Kepka and Phil Mickelson both have the first tee times of the day. They want to get it over. They're on one and ten. So Kepka's on the range and he goes over to the putting green. So I hurry up and go over there and have my caddy so I could put pictures on, you know, on, on, on Twitter and on my program page of me right next to Brooks Kepka on the putting green. And I have one where he's reaching in the hole to grab a ball and I've lagged mine up really close. So we're both reaching down for ball. He's grabbing one from the hole. I'm grabbing one from right next to it. And the caption basically is, uh, number one player in the world, along with the number one million three hundred eighty-six thousand four hundred thirty-second best player. <laughs> so that was kind of a kick, but it, it was a lot of fun. You know, I, I enjoyed it. You know, the the dates for that this year were were a bit tough. I think for Minnesota, being Fourth of July week, but uh, next week, next year it's moving to the week after the Open Championship. Um, you think that'll have an impact on the event? You know, I, I don't. The only impact I think fans will come out regardless of when it is, because even the 4th of July, the crowds were pretty big. I think, you know, not everybody goes to the cabin, uh, but I think it might improve the gallery somewhat. I'm I'm more concerned about the field, because yeah. it's then right. it'll be after the Open Championship, and all the majors are over, and it's I think it's the weekend right after. So how many players that are just saying, you know what, I, I need a week off now. We finished all the majors. I just come back from across the pond. I'm not going to play. So I don't know if it'll, it, it may affect the field in that way. Of course, that being said, this actually turned up pretty – I, I think it, it, the, the way the tournament played out here, those of us in the Twin Cities got to see some of the new young guns play. We got to see fantastic. the kid. We got to see um, – who were the other two? The, the, Colin Makara. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and and, and uh, who finished? Why am I, again, Bryson why? DeChambeau. Well, DeChambeau, we, he's been around a while, but you know, we, we got to see some of these new young guys that are going to be mainstays on tour for a long time. So, you know, I I don't think it'll hurt it too much, other than you, a couple of the bigger names might pass on it because of of, of where it's located on the tour schedule. I was just looking at your golf as a four-letter word chapter in your book, uh, the being the common man, which people can still get a hold of, I'm sure, Dan. Is that correct? They can. Oh, thanks for the plug. Commonmanbook.com. <laughs> Only $25 that includes shipping, handling, tax, title, license, and gratuity as well. <laughs> and a real live autograph, if you're lucky. If you want one, sure. The, uh, yeah. you, were, you were coming home from Brainerd, and I was interested to, of course, go to that chapter you had the world by the tail. That was maybe your best uh, uh, time in golf when you had a 69, and the following week you had a great weekend in Brainerd, and uh, you were flying high. Well, you know, it is interesting. You do fool yourself in this game. You know, I, you know, I, I picked it up when I started working at the family. I, mean, I played as a kid where, 
you know, I had to mix and match clubs. You know, I, I always tell people I probably grew up in a upper lower class family or a lower middle class. My dad played, but there wasn't a lot of money for the kids to play. So I didn't do much more than a few executive courses. Started to work with the fans, started to fell in love with the game and started to play quite a bit. And, you know, I, I worked pretty hard on my, my game. I got that over the top swing, but, you know, it's not too pronounced. And, you know, up until that 69, my best score had been a 76 at the Wilds, which was a pretty good score. Well, out of nowhere, I played Creek's Bend, a gold strand course over there in Prior Lake, and we played from 6,000 yards because I was playing with a with a young kid and his dad and his neighbor that listened to the show a lot. And next thing I know, I shoot a 69. I go to Brainerd and throw three consecutive. Well, don't, then I go to the Wilds two days later and shoot a 72. Then I go to Brainerd and go three 77s in the row in a row, and of course. I fooled myself to thinking, well, you know what? I'll I'll never not shoot in the seventies again. Right, <laughs> that's <laughs> the kiss of kiss of that. Works, yeah. That's not how it works, and I've had my up and downs forever since then. But yeah, that was a great week of golf, and I was really thinking, boy, I've got this thing figured out now. You know, <laughs> I was had it semi figured out last year, and the, uh, Chris asked me how the game was our like our second show this year in the spring, and I. I said, well, if I don't quit, you know, I, I got to get better or I'm going to quit. And uh, he had me on the track, man, last week, and I, I think he improved me. If I can just remember a few of his easy pointers, that's uh, that's what, <laughs> that's the key for me. Don't be as well, dumb as know, I usually am. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> funny. I tell people all the time one of the lines I use, if I, if I shoot something like an 85 or an 88, I say, if the golf god whispered in my ear that I'd never shoot better than this again, I'd never play again, which – probably an exaggeration but you know I, you know everybody approaches the game differently i know i know chris has his views and you have yours and my i like to at least have a competent game i don't need to you know you're you're never going to keep shooting a better score every single time you play but you know it, one of my playing partners that i play a lot of golf with says show me an improving golfer and i'll show you a happy golfer and I, I think that's true. If you're scoring or improving, you like the game. If you're not, you can get a little grouchy and sometimes feel like, why am I out here? You know, and, and I think as we talk about growing the game and not as many people playing anymore, and there's all sorts of different reasons, young kids and social media, and, and, and you know, they, they don't pick up the game as much. And I, I know it takes a long time and it, it, it can be costly, but the other thing is, too, I think what people – what, what, what some people don't think about is not only does it take a lot of time, you know, if you play on a weekend and it's a four-hour round and you're away from the family and, you know, that gets to be a bit much and then it, it can be costly. But then if you add to that, and I'm not very good at it, I think that does <laughs> turn some people people off from the game. You know? I think the young player, I think Chris will attest because he teaches a lot of kids, uh, they really like the long the long game now. So many of the young players on tour can just mash it. And uh, young guys get out there, and they 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 take some fun in that. Chris likes a uh, speed in the swing at a young age, and uh, figures you can you can teach him a lot of things, but you can't necessarily teach club head speed. So he kind of likes yeah. the power game that the young kids love. Well, I think you're right. As a matter of fact, I was speaking of the 3M Open. Uh, I didn't go to every round, so I was watching. I think on TV on Saturday or Sunday, and I heard one of the commentators talking about their short game and someone was putting a couple of feet off the green on the fringe and whoever the commentator was and why I can't remember I maybe maybe it was Faldo I don't know but somebody said well what's happened is 
because they work on their long game so much, a lot of these guys don't work on all the intricacies of the short game, and so they don't trust themselves as much because it is a power game. It's like, can I hit the ball 300 yards off the tee, 320, and have short irons into the green? And the short game maybe doesn't get as much attention. I mean, Chris, you can probably attest to this. I, I see this all the time. I don't visit the range often, but if I do, and a guy's getting ready to go up for his round, He'll hit a bucket of balls and he'll hit the driver every single shot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got another club. And, and again, you do hit the driver. Let's say you hit it on all fours and fives. Well, you're going to hit it 14 times. But And then what I see is they'll hit that same shot. It'll go slice right, slice right, slice right. They'll hit one straight, and then they'll slice right and slice right. And so it, they really don't have anything to work on, and I know Chris, as a as a as a teaching professional, I, I'm sure you can you would agree with this. I think you have to have something to, work, to bang balls, just to bang balls. You're not going to accomplish much there. As a matter of fact, if anything, you'll just frustrate yourself. That's why you should see if, if you want to take the game serious, you should see a teaching pro that 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 can that can relate to you. I I, I think Chris, I find that I I I. I, I like going to different pros just to see how they teach. And I think they're all good, but some people have a different way of teaching than others. You have to find a guy that can that, real, that you can relate to and explains the game to you, and then you have something to work on when you're on the range. Absolutely. We, we talk about it on the show a lot. We call it, I always say, are you, are you exercising or are you practicing? And mo- most people right. go to the range and exercise. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's a good way to say it. That is a good way to say it. You need something to work on to 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 improve your game. Otherwise, you are just exercising. Dan, you uh, off air. We were talking a little bit about fantasy football, and now that uh, sports gambling is going to be legal in all fifty states, there's a lot of talk about uh, you know fantasy golf and gambling on golf. What what, what do you have any thoughts on that? And is is it going to catch on and be big? Oh, I think it will. I, I mean, people do. I've never been. I mean, when I was when I was a youngster, in my late teens, early twenties, we used to play penny any poker games all the time. I really enjoyed it, and I don't mind going to a casino once in a while, playing a little blackjack. But I never got hooked on the sports betting thing personally. I I always tell people I don't like to bet on something I can't control. Even though I would lose to Chris Foley, I'd still rather play him for a dollar a hole, knowing I've got some control over that I got a club in my hand. Once you make that bet, you don't know if some quarterback's going to throw a pick six late in the game that you didn't see coming, you know? So I've never been a sports better, but I think it will be big. And, you know, I, I don't know. If, I still think football will be the very best. Fan, you know, fantasy football will still be people betting on, on football games and basketball games will probably be the most, but I bet there'll be a lot of people betting on golf. Sure. You know, you, you just you know, you, you see the odds on the different players who you think are going to win. And I, yeah, I, I think people love to, to, to go to the sports book. Uh, just to wrap it up, Dan, I, nobody remembers your, their rounds of golf like you do and, and recount them beautifully <laughs> for your, for your fans. Uh, you had the, at the pro-am, you had described your your tee shot on the first hole beautifully on your show. Would you want to recount that this morning a little oh, yeah. bit? I hit it well. You know, when I do recount my game, when the late dark star asked me where'd we play and where'd you hit it on run, I always say right at the gut. And I did at the program. <laughs> I hit it right at the gut. The only problem was it only went forty yards. <laughs> I I topped it. It went straight into the thick rough, and then I topped my next shot. And I didn't play very well in the program, and and more than anything, it really wasn't the difficulty of the course, just because they had. 
the, the amateurs up, you know, forward tees. We were playing at, you know, 6,300 yards, whatever. I was just trying too hard to play too well. And, you know, it's like you, you got to find that fine line. I think Chris could probably test this too. If you just, if, you, if you're trying too hard and you're gripping the club too tight and you're trying to hit it hard, you're going to struggle. You got to just relax. But yeah, I hit it right up the gut. All right. I just hit it only 40 yards up the gut. But then you ground out a bogue, <laughs> didn't you? Oh, well, that was, yeah, I'm standing <laughs> over, um, and by the way, I think Austin Cooks has since fired his caddy, Kip. I don't know Kip's <laughs> last name. I've heard Kip is legendary on tour. Kip's a very funny guy, but I just heard recently, about two weeks ago, uh, apparently um, uh, uh, Austin Cook decided to part ways with him. But I'm standing over a downhill 12-foot putt for double bogey. We've already <laughs> finished the hole. They don't even need my putt. And Kip looks at me and he goes, are you telling me you're going to grind out a 12-foot putt for double bogey? And I go, watch me. And I buried it. (laughs) I did. I ground it out. He also had one other line that was really funny. We were, we were playing on the, on the, on on number three, which was playing as a par five for us, but it was a par four for the pros. And all four of the amateurs hit beautiful shots right up the middle, all the fairway. And, and Kip announces to all of us, he goes, you know, I've played hundreds of these, and that's the best four amateur shots I've ever seen. Well, then the four of us all end up hitting awful second shots, and then he, he, he timed it perfectly. He said, you know, I've played hundreds of these programs, and those are the four worst second shots I've ever seen. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, we had a lot of fun. It was a lot of laughs. And uh, Kip will... Uh, He'll, he'll pick up a loop somewhere, trust me. He's, he's, he's got that reputation. Yeah, Kip Henley, he is the one of the legendary caddies in golf and he, one of the best Twitter feeds in golf as yeah. well. He, uh, That's what they say. Uh, he can tell a story like almost no other. Correct. We left you five minutes to prep for your show, about the usual amount of time, correct? <laughs> you, you got that right. You do listen. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for having me. I really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks a lot, Common. Thanks, Common. Appreciate it. You bet. Take that, care. That's a common man, Dan Cole. Uh, the fan, 12 until 3 every day right here on 1380 KLIZ. Tune in and see him weekdays, or hear him, I should say, Monday through Friday. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on The Fan. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley and Colin McDonald at 1380 KLIZ. The Fan. want to welcome to the show Mike Bender from Orlando, Florida. Mike is a 2009 PGA Teacher of the Year and consistently ranked among the top couple teachers in golf digest top 100 list he teacher of uh many multiple major winners including zach johnson lee lee jansen and uh, many other tour players mike welcome to the show hey thanks chris thanks for having me on it's uh it's great to have you on as always multiple guests on our show so i appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge but wanted to get you on we um uh you know the last especially last week on the PGA Tour, slow play really came to, uh, it was more the story than the, the tournament itself with, uh, <laughs> with Brooks Kepka and, and, uh, Justin Thomas and a couple other players kind of calling out, uh, Bryson DeChambeau and became kind of a unusual on tour that we have, uh, some spats going on, but, uh, you know, you, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. it's funny cause I mean, you know, there's, there's over the years, you know, there's, there's been, you know, a few slow players, and every once in a while it kind of comes to a head, and there's some sort of an incident. So it's kind of kind of happened again here just recently. You know, I think it's it's much more our awareness of it is much more prevalent because there's so much more 
golf available. You can watch every group on on the internet and that type of thing. So it's people are more aware of it now, maybe, and it's probably not as big a problem on tour as it just is in general everyday play. Well, the tour has rule. You know, they have guidelines of how how fast you've got to play, and yeah. and, and they and, you know, and they pretty much stick to it. And, and it's funny because I remember I, I I my first tour event. I mean, many many years ago when I four spot qualified, um, I was in the very first group, and and there wasn't anybody ahead of us, and we played in two hours and one minute, and we were at, we were like ahead of. I mean, in two hours and one minute on the front nine, yeah. and we were like a group ahead of the people behind. And one of the tour officials came up to me and said, "Hey, Mike, you're playing a little slow, or your group is. You guys got to speed it up." And I thought, "Wow, this is amazing," you know. So. Goes you know goes way back for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, you you uh, you wrote a book uh, a year or two ago called "Golf's Eight Second Secret: What Separates Golf's Greatest Champions," and um, you know looked at multiple major champions or everybody who's won more than five majors and and came to con- some conclusions about what they do as they approach a shot. And I want to talk to you about that. Tell us about the book. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, <clears throat> it was pretty interesting once we went back, and because the people that have won five major championships or more obviously know how to handle pressure, and you know what happens, uh, you know, under pressure is people don't want to make mistakes; they start slowing down. I mean, it's very evident when somebody has a putt on the last hole to win the tournament or something. A lot of times, they'll take you know twice as long to check. They check the putt from every angle and things like this. So, you know, so it was kind of a, it was a study by us and, uh, Michael Mercer and myself on, on, you know, was there any commonality, in other words, in those great players and, and them being able to handle pressure and coming down the stretch and everything. And so it was very interesting and it was really fun to write and, 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 and something that I, every golfer, no matter what level you're at, can really learn something from this. Right. So what, what were the things that you found, Mike? Well, here's the thing. I mean, what you have is we, we divided up the, the pre-shot routine is something that, um, is, is very undertaught. Matter of fact, in my career, it's one of my biggest regrets that I didn't teach this to all of my students sooner. I was always under the impression, hey, I'll get them to a good level where they're really hitting the ball well. Then, then maybe we'll go on the golf course and, and, and check out their routine and things like that. Yeah. But, uh, but really, if you have, a good pre-shot routine. Um, no matter what handicap you are, you're going to play better. You're going to play better than you would if you didn't have a good routine. Yes. And and when we talk about routine, it's basically three parts. And the first part is you know and is getting the information. You know when you get to the ball, how far is it? What the wind's doing? What the lie is? You know all that information that leads into a choice of what club you're going to hit. And and. And once you have that club selection and you know the type of shot you're going to hit, then the second part would be rehearsing your swing and kind of visualizing that shot and seeing that shot. And then the last part, which is where the eight second comes in, is once it, once you've decided on the club, once you know what you're going to do, really the only thing left is execution. And and the question is, is how long should that take? Yeah. And and really not very long, right? But <clears throat> what happens is. People get up over the ball and they tend to, that's, they, they tend to let interference come in. Fear, doubt, indecision, um, too many thoughts on their golf swing. And so they get over the ball and they, you know, they take a lot of time and they really don't, 
make golf a reactionary game or sport like everything else. Like if I go play basketball or you and I do, we don't have time to think. Right. But, but in golf, you know, you got all that time and there's no shot clock. I wish there was a shot clock in golf because I think everyone would actually play better because they'd be forced into reacting as opposed to using their brain too much, you know, to think too many, too many thoughts. And so, you know, we, we really do a lot of work now in training people how to, when they get over that ball, like, like the, the great champions, the things they had in common was number one, when they set the club down behind the ball, they, <clears throat> excuse me, they were in constant motion. So in other words, they set the club down, they put their feet in, they were waggling, their bodies were moving, and they completed their swing, which means they took it away and finished their swing in under eight seconds. And uh, it's remarkable how, um, you know, consistent they were uh, at doing that. You know, I've, I've uh, in working with some, some players, we, we've timed their pre-shot routine. And, and you know, a lot of people say, God, I don't, I don't think I can do it. I, can, I don't think I can be over the ball less than eight seconds. And it's amazing, really, when you're over it. That's plenty of time to be able to be able to pull the trigger and, and for for most people can do it much easier than that yeah it really is and and but you know it's like anything else you have to practice it a little yes. bit and I, I tell people you know hey when you go warm up um, you're warming up and you're hitting shots and everything but but the last five or ten balls that you hit before you leave to go to the first tee go through that last part of your routine on every ball and so it starts to put you into more of the what I call the play mode versus you know the practice mode. Yeah. And um, and you know there's physical things, physical steps to that 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 you know a, a, t- a good teaching pro can help you with. And and the people listening out there, I would recommend that you get with somebody that can kind of show you those steps. And once you have that routine, then it's like anything else. You just need to practice it a little bit, and it becomes very natural. And and it's really the greatest way to um, combat anytime you're nervous, you know, or anxiety or yeah. whatever. But if you stick to your routine uh, and go right through it, then you're going to have a much better chance of hitting a good shot. Right. You know, if you, if you do any research on decision making, everybody says your first instinct is always your best decision. And, and for instance, Malcolm Gladwell's book Blink. You know, he's, he, there's case study after case study of that splits, you know, that first instinct is what you go with. So the less time you spend over the ball, the better chance you have over, I would think. Yeah, and you have to trust what you train, right? So yeah. we train on the range, we train at lessons, what have you. We do drills and things. So when it's time to play golf, you have to... You have to allow yourself to play with what you have. And, the, you know, the course management, people talk about course management. Course management is making decisions based on how you're hitting the ball at that time. And so if you use good course management skills, you're going to have your best rounds. You're going to play your best golf. And I think everybody would, would say that, you know, whatever whatever your best score has ever been in your life, there's no way that you were out there thinking of, you know, five different things during your golf swing. So, you know, but that's what happens when, you know, it's natural because you go out there, you hit a couple of bad shots, and the first thing you're thinking about is, oh, what do I got to do? What do I got to change in my swing? Or what do I got to think about to not hit a bad, another bad shot? And that starts to interfere again with the, with the routine process and, and uh, just letting it, so-called just letting it happen. 
Mike, one of the things that I've always talked to about with players is, you know, the difference between the elite player and and the average player is is, is they have the same anxieties, you know, going into a shot if they're, you know, they got to carry it over water, or there's out of bounds on one side of the fairway or whatever it is. But the difference is they have awareness of their thinking and they de- they've developed mechanisms to redirect that thinking into more positive thoughts and are there are there any things any things that you recommend or teach to players to help them redirect those thoughts or things when they get over the ball right i mean I, there are and a lot of a lot of just a real good example would be um, let's say I get up over a shot and I'm afraid the ball's going to go to the right and maybe there's out of, out of bounds or water over there. I tell my students, you know what, if you're worried about a shot, a particular shot, then my I would turn it into a positive and make the golf ball go the direction you're afraid of it going. So in other words, I'm just going to aim more left, a lot more left. I'm going to give myself plenty of room to make it go right, and then I'm just going to make it go right. I'm going to let it do what it wants to do anyway or what I'm afraid of it doing because now I'm on the offense. And, and guys like Bubba Watson are a great example. I mean, Bubba Watson aims in places you can't even imagine. And if you hit, and if he hit the ball where he was aiming, he'd be out of bounds or, yeah. you know, whatever. But he curves the ball back in play because if he didn't, you know, he would be out of bounds. So he puts himself on the offense all the time when he's on the tee box and hitting these wild shots. So not that everybody has to play, you know, giant curves in their golf game, but sometimes under pressure, uh, it's easier to curve a ball more than less. And so just go ahead and let it go that way. So things like that, there's little tricks and things like that that can turn something into a, you know, a challenge as opposed to worrying about it and, you know, trying to aim down the middle and hope it doesn't go too far right or too far left. Yeah, that, that's such a great point in that, you know, we all have the uh, dispersion to all of our shots and we've got, you know, whatever that dispersion is with say our driver. And if you, if you have a good idea of that, your, your, your aim maybe sh- it shouldn't be say center of the fairway. Your aim should be to get that. If there's out of bounds right, aiming far enough left. So if you curve it out into your dispersion, it's, it's still in play. Right. And that's, that's kind of the value these days of. You know, they have these TrackMan launch monitors and different other brands of launch monitors that can actually show you if you hit 20 balls with driver, can give you a dispersion uh, pattern to where you can say, okay, you know, my average dispersion is 35 yards or maybe it's 60 yards, whatever yeah. it may be. Then you can take that information, and that goes back to course management again. Then you can take that information and you can aim in places that will allow you to give you the greatest chance of keeping that ball in play. Absolutely. Yep. So, Mike, going back to that, uh, you know, the the first stage of of the pre-shot routine, the information gathering stage, you know, I think one of the reasons play tends to be so slow at, you know, on daily play on a weekend at a local golf most people don't start that process until they get to the golf ball well yeah i think that i think you're right and you know with playing in golf carts what happens is that you know you'll see people go to there'll be two people and they'll go to the first ball and then the person that's riding or driving or the other person sits there and waits for that person to hit and then they drive over to the other ball you know it's just you know you know being able to get to your ball, get the yardage, you know, while someone else is maybe hitting, 
you know, really can speed up your your whole group by a lot. Absolutely. And yeah, just getting more prepared earlier. Um, and so then when that person hits their shot, half the time when it's in the air, I'm already, you know, going into my second, third part of the routine where I'm just getting ready to hit it and, and go. So, uh, you know, that makes a big difference. Absolutely. Well, Mike, that's great stuff. Mike, you've got a, a great, uh, you've got one of the best golf Instagram accounts out there. There, you're always, almost every day you post some type of something that came up in a lesson or a, you know, a golf tip. Um, uh, tell us about that and what's, what's the, what's your address for that? Well, it's Mike Bender Golf uh, on Instagram and, um, you know, we've, we've had a lot of fun with that. And, and, you know, Instagram is, um, obviously it's a, it's, uh, it's a great vehicle to kind of share your information, you know, and even though they're like minute videos, I mean, you can still get a lot out there and, yeah. you know, you know, and it's, and it's, um, you know, fun to be able to do that on a regular basis. And, and I've, you know, I've got a really good, great person that helps me and he answers all of the direct messaging that people call in, you know, that come in with. And then he posts them. <clears throat> what we try to do is once we have a topic when we're talking about something, then if you go to the stories part, which is a lot of pictures of tour players demonstrating what we talk about. So it gives it some credibility and it's just, uh, it's just been really, uh, eye opening for us to be able to do that and watch it grow and, and reach a lot of people. It's been fun. No, it's really great stuff. So, well, Mike, I really appreciate you coming on the show as always and sharing your knowledge. And, uh, that was some great information about, uh, about pre-shot routine and, and getting ready to hit a golf shot. So, yeah, thanks, Chris. And I just, you know, I just again encourage everybody. It's, it's really, you really want to get better at golf, you need to have a solid routine. No question. And, uh, and it's very much worth uh, working on, for sure. So for thanks sure. again. I really appreciate being on. Thank you, Mike. That was Mike Bender from Lake Mary, Florida, and uh, owner of the Mike Bender Golf Academy. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley and Colin McDonald at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Mac with you, 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Available now at Podcast One as well, and also streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com with shows archived there for you as well. Thanks to our friends at Mills Ford and Mills GM for that. Chris, uh, I threatened to quit early in the year, and uh, uh, we got together, I think, once uh, for uh, just a brief time, but we had a little bit longer time on Saturday uh, to uh, have a real lesson, a half hour or so, maybe a little more. Saw some things. I've been having uh, quite a bit of trouble with my game, really. I had uh, a couple of good nine-hole scores, but uh, nothing to write home about uh, for over 18 over the whole summer, really, So, which is odd for me. So uh, some uh, mistakes I've ha- I've made and, uh, and uh, maybe not playing enough for one thing to get the consistency of it. But let's just we, – we did track, man, and uh, – you reviewed the uh, TrackMan footage with me after, and maybe we'll we'll post that too. I think we can get Josh to help us out with that. Uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. It always is when I mean sure. you're such a taskmaster. You know, <laughs> you make it so hard on a guy. Uh, but some uh, you can just review them. The, uh, my grip is always I my I kind of reset back to my yeah. my uh, strong grip, I guess, on my right hand underneath. Right, and uh, which has uh, always kind of been. Something I've gone back to. Uh, it's not wasn't 
as bad as when you first corrected me a few years ago, uh, but uh, certainly getting too far underneath. And then, uh, anyway, we can kind of uh, review that. What do you think in general? Yeah, you know, it, 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 we, all of us, no matter what level you're at, we all tend to go back to what our tendencies are. And we all kind of have a you know, thumbprint of our, our golf swing, so to speak. And uh, when we get off, we go back to those things. And, and the, the golf swing is really a chain reaction. And it really start, it starts with the setup. And in your setup, your tendency is always to get your right hand a little too strong or underneath the handle, which it, when, when you take the club away in the takeaway, what happens when the right hand is too much underneath, the club face gets closed. And so that just leads to when the club face gets closed, the club is going to tend to get steep in the backswing. And when it gets steep in the backswing, for you, you have a tendency to come down uh, too steep deep or the direction your swing angles too much to the left and then you end up hitting either either slices to the right or or pull hooks pulls pulls hooks so uh so you know really we we just had to we had to get your hand in a little more neutral position your right hand and then get the in the takeaway get the club working a little more up with your wrist and not then the bit the big thing for you is to from waist high to the top flatten the swing and uh get the club in a position where it makes it much easier in your downswing to bring the club back um where you're hitting the ground and the in the ball in the right place with a you know fairly neutral path and and uh and face angle so you can hit you know little draws or you know straighter shots yeah, I think over the years I've been uh, able to correct, uh, maybe when I was younger, athletic, athletically enough to uh, get the driver where I wanted it to go generally. I'm a pretty long hitter, and like we joked about with Common, uh, you know, one of those guys who would go out to the driving range and hit, uh, you know, 20 drivers in a wedge and then head for the course, you know. Uh, so, so that was... Uh, a little bit more of an adjustment probably a similar problem but able to adjust now i'm a little older for one thing but uh, some of those uh, tips the takeaway was still pretty good that was from a tip last yeah. year but the uh, they're pretty easy tips really once uh, you get somebody on track man and they take a look at it uh, it's going to be for me it'll be that the forearms when you're saying the from the waist up to get it to where you can still see it just you know three-quarter takeaway or half it's pretty easy to see. Okay, that's what he wants me to do. You can almost look at it while you're swinging and think, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, I, I think I think for you, the, the biggest thing is, you know, when you don't play much, it's a lot harder for you to find your timing, and that's been the case for you this year. You haven't you haven't been able to get out much, especially early in the year. So uh, it's harder to find that timing, and when you can't find the timing, your your errors are going to show up more frequently. Yeah, and you can kind of see the, I mean, you can see the takeaway. You can do that by yourself without right. hitting the ball. And then you can see to there. And then the backswing kind of takes care of itself once you get your forearms to a certain spot in yeah, the swing. Yeah, exactly. If you, if you can get it to about halfway back in your swing in a good position, the the second half will, will tend to take care of itself. Yeah. Yeah, so people should come see you, right? <laughs> we like we we would like that. We like helping people with it. Yeah, game. yeah, we're getting too close to the end of August as we speak, but uh, still plenty of time to improve your golf game. Really, fall fall golf in the, the Brainerd Lakes area. Some of the best golf. Oh gosh, we have late summer fall golf. You know the ne- the next six to eight weeks are are you know prime time for us in Brainerd, and you know our weekend golf is is extremely busy in September, but. You know, to get out during the week, there's a lot more availability, and and you know we've got this 
these great fall days coming up that uh, are just the best time of the year to play. And remind everybody also uh, to come on out to Craigans for the uh, f- to see the pros there, the guys who uh, possibly future pros for sure are going to be playing, and that'll be fun. Yeah, we got a you know uh, as the event gets closer, we've had a few more a uh, few more pros sign up and uh, register, and boy, I think it's going to people are going to be surprised at the the quality of play if they come out and, and see it, and uh, we got some great young players playing. So the Pro-Am, then the uh, 20th of August, then the Pros have a two-day tournament this year. That's one day longer than last year, 21st and 22nd. The Brainerd Lakes uh, Showcase, the uh, CRMC Brainerd Lakes Showcase. So, yeah, that's coming up and should be a lot of fun. They also have the Prince uh, concert on that Monday night up at Craigan. So that'll be a lot of fun, too. So good opportunity for some great golf. Chris, thanks for the tips, and uh, people can get a hold of you and, and make lesson times through the uh, late summer, early fall, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we're here every day and uh, looking forward to getting people out on the lesson tee. <laughs> thanks, Chris. Thank you, Mac. That's Chris Foley. I'm Mac, and we'd like to thank our great guest, Mike Bender, and uh, also the common man, Dan Cole. His books are available online, Being the Common Man, by Dan Cole, as you might guess. So thanks a couple of great guests. You've been listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ.